Please take your Bibles, if you would, and find Romans chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Good to see you today. After five years, it still amazes me at 825. I'm thinking we're not going to have that many this morning. And then here you are by 840, 845, you're here. And we're glad to have you here this morning. Glad you come to be a part of our early service today. We are all about being on mission. Uh, it is our theme for this year, even as we study and worship and come together. We will always talk about that be kind of the uh, uh, forbearing thing in our minds. We know that we have some groups going out less than two weeks uh, that will be heading out. Uh, one group's heading to Phoenix, another to Ethiopia. We also have a, a Bible club here up the street for some of the kids of the community and uh, who won't be going on spring break, but uh, we, if you could... You want to be supporting all of these through prayer. We know our Africa trips, they're still uh, taking supplies in that you might be able to take there. If you want to be a part of the Bible Club, there's an interest meeting today after the service, after the last service at 1215. encourage you to come and be a part of that uh, three-day Bible Club as well. Today, we're continuing our series on uh, what should I... Uh, on. Uh, uh, what should I believe? How I can know? How I can stand up? Make a stand for Jesus? Looking at the first few chapters in Romans, chapters 1 through 4. We're in Romans chapter 3 today, beginning with verse 1. Would you stand in honor of God's reading today? <clears throat> Romans chapter 3, verse 1 begins like this. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way, to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithless, faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true through everyone, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Verse 5 reads, But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means. For then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to His glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we've already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. And you may be seated. It is perhaps maybe one of the classic stories or illustrations about going the wrong way. A football player uh, who was a lineman by the name of Roy Regals played for the uh, University of California in the Rose Bowl playing Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech fumbled on their opponent's 30-yard line, and Roy Regals picked up the ball somewhat confused and ran the wrong way. As he goes the wrong way, here's the cheering of the crowd. We hear his players yelling, which made him run even faster, and he was surprised when one of his own players tackled him on the one-yard line. And on the very next play, as they got the ball in the end zone, the quarterback was sacked, and thus they had lost the game by one point. It's an often told story and to this day it is that play from the Rose Bowl that is the one of the most re relived sports moments of all time. CBS Sports calls it uh, one of the six most memorable moments in the last 100 years. What you may not know about Roy is that he was a walk-on player for the California and as he came on he then started over other players, played both offense and defense 
He set the record of only missing nine minutes of play in three years. He was an All-American. He was a captain, but he'll forever be known as Wrong Way Regals. And not long ago, an NFL commentator, when a lineman had picked up a fumbled ball and just stumbled the wrong way a couple of yards, it said and commented, it's a Wrong Way Regals play. Well, I want to use that often told story to tell what we're going to talk about, some directional truths for us today. And here's the first one to help us maybe to get started. It is this, it matters little what you accomplish in life if you're heading in the wrong direction. Sometime later, Roy Regals was asked about the infamous play and he reflected these thoughts. He said, I thought I heard a familiar voice that said, Hey Regals, you're running the wrong way, but I paid no attention to it because I was going to score a touchdown. Well, I want you to listen this morning because there might be a voice that is speaking to you through God's written word through the Holy Spirit this morning that may be giving direction. And I implore you to not be so determined with your plans that you cannot listen to the voice of God, that you cannot follow God's plans for your life. Life in the fast, in the fast lane can be tough. But if you're going in the fast lane, you don't want to be going in the wrong direction. In a similar situation, but much more dangerous, not too long ago, a man got on the interstate. He got on the wrong way going up the exit ramp in near Montgomery, began to come down I-85, causing many mishaps, many people to pull into the medium, many near head-on collisions. And it took until he got on the east side of Opelika until they finally pulled him over. And in uh, the news report, it said that he thought for the entire time that he was heading the right way. He had no idea he was going the wrong way, which kind of uh, makes us think about maybe that sobering passage in Proverbs, which says there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Well, let me ask you this morning, are you confident that you're going in the right direction, that you're heading the right way? If you are, may you be confident not so much in yourself, but may you be confident in your faith in the Lord Jesus, not in your religion, not in your good works, or doing things your own way. It may be the one who is maybe a little less confident, constantly keeping their pathway with Jesus in check, but seeking to go the right way, seeking to please the Lord, who will be more likely to find the right way, rather than the one who puts confidence in oneself or good deeds. So this morning, I don't want anyone to leave this place without knowing the direction they are heading and making the necessary adjustments or having assurance of following God. If you feel this morning that you you're, are living life in the fast lane, let's make sure that you're heading in the right direction and not about to crash and burn. Here's another directional truth for traveling God's highway. Keeping up there in your notes, it's this. Before you can know where you're going... You have to know where you are right now. Before you know where you're going, you have to know where you are right now. Romans chapter 3, not just the verses we read, but perhaps this whole chapter, is kind of like a map in the rest area on the side of the road that reads, You are here. Or it's that blue pin on your GPS that pinpoints your location right now. You ever have that message come up on your smartphone or on your tablet that says, uh, would you allow the location of your device to be located right now? And then it either says, don't allow or allow. And before you push allow, maybe you hesitate just a moment. Do I really want somebody to know where I am right now? Well, this morning I want you, at least spiritually speaking, I want you to push allow because you want to know where you are right now. After all, the Lord knows where you are. There's not without a shadow of a doubt that He knows. You want to know where you are this morning, because we need to know where we are spiritually, 
careful attention to God's Word, this chapter will help us to understand where we are in our spiritual pilgrimage. Now, Paul's writing to his own people. He's writing to the Israelites, to the Jewish people, considered God's chosen people. And he's just spent the first two chapters of Romans seeking to convince all readers, it does not matter who you are, everyone is without excuse and needs Jesus. Nobody is exempt. Everybody needs to turn to God from the one who's never heard of Jesus and who doesn't know God at all, to the person who has religion, Paul writes here, even you, he says, who are considered God's people, all need Jesus. And Paul's writing as if he's carrying on a conversation. In fact, unless you realize he's carrying on a conversation, maybe of what they might be asking, it's a hard passage for us to be able to understand, but he's anticipating their questions. And they might ask, what benefit is there in being a Jew? And he says, there is benefit... For one, God has entrusted you with the very words of God, the written word, not only to write it and to read it, but to do it and to share it. And he's going to anticipate that they're going to ask a couple of more questions, which they hope might give excuse for their unfaithfulness or maybe take the blame off of them, but it doesn't. So I want, us to, I want to highlight the questions that they ask and how Paul answers those questions today. And These are the questions that Paul's asking, and I'm going to take this from the Living Bible, a paraphrase maybe to help us be able to understand it a little little bit better. question that they ask from Romans chapter 3, 3 and 4 says this, True, some of them were unfaithful, meaning some did not keep God's word. But just because they broke their promises to God, does that mean that God will break His promises? Well, here's Paul's answer. He says, of course not. Though everyone else in the world is a liar, God, it's not. You know, it's always been true. Old Testament, New Testament... Ever since the beginning, for anyone to be able to inherit the kingdom of God, for anybody to be able to come to God, be able to go to heaven, it's always been about faith. It has been about repentance of sin. So Paul has another question that he thinks they might ask in Romans chapter 3, 5, and 6, again from the Living Bible. But some say, but some say that our breaking faith with God is good. Our sins serve a good purpose, for people will notice how good God is when they see how bad we are. Is it fair then for him to punish us when our sins are helping him? Apparently it was a question that they might come up with or a question maybe that was already being asked. And Paul says, God forbid. Then what kind of God would he be to overlook sin? But now these are some of the Jewish people, some of the questions they think they might have or maybe had already been asking. But we tend to justify our sins, justify our actions, sometimes excuse our sins. Or we at least feel compared to other people, well, we're not all that bad. But Paul says, I don't care who you are, nothing good can ever come from doing evil. If the Israelites were to come to be a part of the kingdom, they had to see they also were in need of the Savior. Now, a little bit of interactive time that we have together. I want you to think for just a moment. If we were to put your spiritual maturity on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you be? One, being immature in the faith. You've become calloused and unconcerned with spiritual matters, out of fellowship with God. Ten, being spiritually mature. You've made it. Pristine fellowship. You are uh, stellar, have stellar love relationship with others. Your top priority is serving God. Well, where would you be? Where would you rate yourself between one and ten? And then give it to your neighbor and have them rate you. I'm just kidding about the second part, but feel free. To rate yourself if you were to evaluate where you are 
right now. Now, if you rated yourself a 10, deduct three more points for you just lied or maybe you're just a little bit delusional. But just as you may not rate yourself a 10, hopefully you would not rate yourself a 1 either. No concern for spiritual matters at all or no fellowship with God whatsoever. Let's take a step back in just a moment. Are you even on the scale? Because this imaginary scale that we're using today, we're using it for believers. To be off the scale means to have no relationship with Jesus. Never to have asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. Never to come with Him for forgiveness of sin. For today, we want to make sure that you know that you're on the scale. We want to make sure that you know Jesus or you're born again Christian who's genuinely given your life to Christ, who has a home in heaven and the Spirit of Jesus living in you. We want everyone to know and evaluate where they are right now and give you an opportunity to be able to know Christ. Now wait, can you, can you be a Christian and be out of fellowship with God? Well, sure you can. You may be a child of God and have that relationship and be a born-again child of God, but still be out of fellowship. Now, I want you to notice the two words, relationship and fellowship. Now, sometimes we use those interchangeably. But technically, relationship has to do with who you are in the family of God, that you know that the Lord is your Heavenly Father and that Jesus is your Savior. And being into the family of God, that relationship never changes. The Lord is always your Lord. Your Heavenly Father is always your Heavenly Father. Jesus is always your Savior. But our fellowship can change. Now, hopefully what's happening is our fellowship is continuing to grow. You might imagine a growing scale that continues to grow and continues to increase. And from the moment that you accept Christ, your fellowship can continue to grow. For most of us, it's probably a little bit more like a roller coaster. Sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down. What we don't want it to do is to continue to go down, but we want to continue to go up. It's what we hope that will happen. But there may be someone here today that's not really worried about their fellowship. It's the relationship you need to get settled today. So we want to pause here just a moment long enough to be able to understand that everyone needs a relationship with Jesus. You may be here today and you need to join the kingdom of God by asking the Lord to come in and forgive you of sin. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus. Do you know that if you're not a Christian and you've never asked Jesus in your heart today, there's not one thing that the Lord is asking you to do. Church membership and baptism becomes not as important. It's not about following the Ten Commandments. Those things matter little until genuine salvation is taking place. What the Lord is asking you to do is to believe and to put your faith and belief in Him. Then call upon Him with a repentant heart, asking the Lord to come in, be your Savior and Lord, giving your life over to Him. And so this morning, a little bit different, instead of waiting till the end of the service and asking, is there anyone that needs to accept Christ, you can accept Christ now. We want to give you that very opportunity even now. In fact, there's a prayer that we want to put on the screen here. And we're going to be praying this prayer here in just a moment. And if you don't know Christ today, or you need to have it settled today. I mean, if you're unsure, I want you to know that you can be sure today by genuinely asking Christ to come in and asking Him to forgive you of your sins. Not just by saying these exact words. It's a sample prayer. But it is the sincerity of heart. So we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray. And Believers, Christians, members who are here today, you know that you know Christ. Pray for someone who may be here today, we don't know, who may need to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe one, maybe more. Let's bow together. And if you're 
here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you can repeat this prayer silently with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and you rose again. I want to turn from my sins and ask for your complete forgiveness. And now invite you to come in into my heart and life as I put my trust in you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Help me to live for you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And we're not finished with the passage, you understand, but it won't be, but just probably a few minutes from now, we all have our song of response, and we want to give you opportunity. If you've prayed that prayer to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, we encourage you to make that public. Just come and take my hand and let me know that you prayed that prayer. And if you want to, you can join the church. If you want to, you can come as a candidate for baptism. But what we want you to do, if you've prayed that prayer between now and then, know the Holy Spirit will continue to be working for you to make that public even today. So where are you in your spiritual walk? One fact that may help you determine is where you put your focus or where are your priorities. One of the things you can tell by the questions that Paul anticipated from his readers is their concern was for themselves. And you can tell by Paul's answer that the focus was to be on God. You know, the journey of life for a believer is to move from a self-serving heart to a Christ-serving heart. So you're driving down that spiritual interstate, you're on I-777, this church service and these verses serve as a rest stop where you've stopped not only to be rejuvenated, you've stopped to get directions. Maybe put some coordinates in your GPS and some of you realize you're heading in the wrong direction and you need to head back the other way, you need to turn around. Some may be just a little off course, others are a little behind schedule, but what's the next thing that you do? So another directional truth is before you to make a move, you want to know where you need to be. So you need to know where you are right now. So you want to be able to look forward, know where you need to be. Paul had reminded his readers that they had been entrusted with the words of God. In fact, I read from the English Standard Version, depending on your translation, it says, He had committed unto them the oracles of God. Sounds weighty, doesn't it? Well, it is weighty. Because they had been given the very words of God, not only for them, but also to be able to share with the world. It had been entrusted for them. But they had focused so much on themselves or their so-called privileges that they had not been faithful in their commitment. In fact, at one point in Israel's history, they had lost the law of God. They had lost virtually what we know of as much of the Old Testament. There was no written account of it. Not until the last good king, King Josiah, came along and Hilkiah, the high priest, found a copy during the restoration of the temple. And when King Josiah heard that the Scriptures had been found, you know what King Josiah did with it? Oh my goodness, he put it on his coffee table for everybody to see. He put it in the dash of his pickup chariot so it would be there if he needed it next week. Oh, he put it under glass and put his, put his name on gold in the front of it so that it would look very nice and very pretty. Now, that's not what he did with it, was it? He read it. And he read it to the Israelites. And as he read it to the Israelites, they were convicted, they were cut to the heart because they saw all the many things that they needed to do. They saw all the things that they were doing that they needed to stop doing. They knew that there needed to be some changes under King Josiah. 
changes. Now, here we are in uh, February of 2019, and already on the political front, there are probably about 25 likely candidates for president running for 2020. Democrat or Republican, they probably all need to see, they all talk about changes need to take place in Washington, and maybe we think, boy, there needs to be some changes in Washington. We're probably okay with that. But now when it comes to personal change or change in the church, we become a little bit dazed. Change? What do you mean change? Most of us like to find a comfortable place and stay there. Many of you have found your place to sit in your chair, in your spot on Sunday morning. Listen, I'm glad you come. I'm glad you come enough to be regular so that you can find your spot and you have a spot. When I need to preach at you, I know where you are. I can find you. And that's good. We might put a plaque there one day just to commemorate the spot where you sat, perhaps. But I'm secretly desiring and thinking, not so secret now because I'm telling you that we'll have enough guests and so many new members that somebody one day naively is going to come and sit in your chair and you'll have to sit someplace else. Don't let it be heard at Parkway Baptist Church that somebody says, you'll have to move, you're sitting in my seat. Do you understand? Now that's just one example, of course. In our spiritual journey, you may like to find a comfortable place and coast. But friend, if you're in a comfortable place for coasting your walk with the Lord, you're in the wrong place. If you're in a comfortable place, you're in the wrong place spiritually. I, I don't know where you put yourself on your spiritual maturity scale we talked about earlier, but I doubt anybody seriously put a 10. Which means what? Wherever you are today, God wants to move you. God loves you right where you are, but He wants you to change. God, God wants to change Make changes in your life to make you more like Jesus. Now, here's the ironic thing. God wants to make changes in your life to make you more like Jesus. The ironic thing is this, that the closer you are to Jesus, the closer that you know that you need to be. I know this might be a silly thing to admit, but I've washed my car at night. You probably have never done that, but maybe the day got by or... Just it got dark and you're going somewhere the next day. Mama don't like to drive and ride in a dirty car, you understand? So, you know, so you turn the porch light on, you go out there and wash your car at night, and you look at it, you think, well, how nice this looks. But then you come out the next morning and you find what a sorry job you really did. It's amazing what light will do. It's also amazing that the closer we are to Jesus, you may find and think to yourself right now how wonderful job you're doing. But the closer you are to Jesus, and the closer we get to Jesus, the more changes you know are needed. If you want to know where you need to be, what changes to take place, what you, you need to confess or get sins you need to confess or get rid of in your life, what needs to be added to your life, come closer to Jesus. He is the light that helps us to see what changes need to take place and where we need to be. I hope, I hope that you're beginning to see some directional changes that need to take place perhaps. We also need to see, or maybe our fourth directional truth, but before you can be confident about your destination, you must know how to get there. You've seen what we're doing here, haven't you? We, we've seen that we need to know where we are right now. We need to be able to at least evaluate and see where it is that we need to be. So now you have to know the best route to get there. Again, you're looking on your map quest or on your GPS and it will give you sometimes options. This is the fastest route. This is the scenic route. This is an alternate route, but it will take 20 more minutes. Well, can I tell you, God's plan may not be the fastest way for you to get wherever you want to go. It may not even be the safest way, but it will be the best. 
Now remember, Paul's talking to these Jewish brethren who had put their confidence in themselves, but they were heading in the wrong direction. And much of Romans is how to be in right fellowship with Jesus. Whether you feel like you're living life in the fast lane or somewhere you have been bogged down and stopped along the way, you want to know how you can be confident to be heading in the right direction. Rather than haphazardly hoping that we're doing the right things, I want to give you three, a little bit different here, directional signs essential for your journey. Three directional signs essential for your journey, and these are given to every believer. Can I tell you that these are incredibly not original, but they are incredibly important. And the first one is this, there's the Son or the Savior. Jesus, the Son of God, the greatest gift ever given, gives us confidence in living today. Read again verses 10 and 11 of Romans chapter 3 where it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. No one seeks after God. Does that sound right? People may be seeking a religious experience, meaning to life, answers to life's questions. But we will be unable to seek after the one true God until He takes the initiative. And Jesus, the only righteous one, reminds us God has taken the initiative to seek after us. Your destination is not just heaven, but it is a relationship with Jesus along this journey following His plan and purpose for your life. And confidence is found when you know that you have that personal relationship with Jesus and are following Him and His example and His teaching. We remember what Jesus said. He said, I've come that you might be able to have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. So the first essential directional sign for us is the Son or the Savior who is Jesus. But then there's also the Scriptures. The Scripture also are also God's gift to us. Now, don't expect to live confidently or to be in the right lane very long unless you're giving time and priority to God's Word. The importance of the preaching and teaching and personal study of God's Word is not dependent on its popularity, but upon its necessity. And Paul uses these scriptures, in particular verses 10 through 12, to tell us that everyone who does not know God is heading in the wrong direction. Everyone who does not know Jesus is going the wrong way. How does Paul know that? Because the scripture tells us that. He's quoting here from Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 and telling us that everyone goes the wrong, the wrong way. Everyone goes without seeking God unless He's revealed Himself to us. So how does the Scripture give confidence? Well, the Bible is distinguished from all other written material. While the world may say that truth is relative, that is, truth is in the eye of the beholder, it depends on what you believe to be true at the time. What's true for you may not be true for me. That's what the world teaches, but we know better. We know no matter what anyone else says, to be true or right or trustworthy, it must be in line, it must not be altered from God's unchanging Word. And it's not dead truth. But the Scripture says about itself, it's alive and active and powerful and instructional and beneficial, directional. You can be confident about the direction you're heading because you're following the Son and because you're following the Scripture. But that's not all. Because there's also the Spirit. Jesus told His disciples, He said, I must go. I'm going to go, but I will send another. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to us to teach us and to remind us and a comfort and a guide. 
We read in verse 12 earlier where it says, All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Anything anyone does in this life apart from the Holy Spirit is useless and unprofitable. Every believer has the Holy Spirit placed upon their life the moment they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now maybe you've heard phrases and you're familiar with phrases like the anointing of the Holy Spirit or to be filled with the Spirit. And sometimes that's equated with emotion only. Sometimes it is the, when they, people talk, they think that that means, well, that means to feel alive. It means to feel good. Sometimes it even is equated with speaking in tongues. But it has much more to do with submitting to the Holy Spirit's direction for your life. Allowing the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life so that you might be able to follow Him. That's what's meant by being filled with the Spirit or the anointing of the Holy Spirit, following God's Spirit and direction for our life. If that leads to emotion, well and good. But can I, can I tell you, the Lord is much more concerned with how close you're walking with Him in your daily living than He is in how high you might be flying once or twice a week. Oh, we want to be filled with the Spirit. It's one of those directional signs. So your goal might be to spend adequate time in prayer so that the Holy Spirit can do His work, so that He can remind you, so that He can teach you, so that He can let you know what it is that you need to be doing, so that He can lead you with God's plan, so that He can bring comfort to you. He can let you know and convict you when you need, when you need to ask for forgiveness of sin and let you know and remind you that you are not guilty because of Jesus and you have been forgiven of sin. There's a lot for the Holy Spirit to do in your life. And if, you, if you're not spending adequate time in prayer and adequate time in quiet moments with the Lord Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work, He cannot do all that He needs to do. Now, we're not talking about living the perfect life. That ship has sailed. We know that it's not going to happen. But this morning, we want to make sure that we're heading in the right direction. And the Son, the Scriptures, Holy Spirit, three directional markers to keep us aligned for staying on God's pathway for our life. Speaking of going on a journey, any of you ever been flying when you hit some turbulence along the way? I don't know about you, but whenever I hit turbulence on a flight... Always look to the flight attendants. If they seem happy and calm, after all, they do this every day. It's just a normal thing. You know, you're bumping along there maybe. And you look mostly every time. They look like yeah, all is good. But I, we were coming back from a trip this past year. And uh, the drink cart had just come through. So everybody's got water or Coke or whatever else there is they're drinking. And, and there happened to be what I would call some violent turbulence because everybody spilled their drink. If there was something that had been on the tray, it would be off the tray. So I do what I usually do. They happened to be standing right next to our row was one of the flight attendants. So I looked over to the flight attendants, and he said, Law, get me off this plane. I'm just trying to stay alive. I don't think that was in the manual. <laughs> Turbulence is going to take place in your life. Some of it may even be severe. You want to be able to look to the Son. You want to be able to look to His Scripture. You want to be able to look to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit, who will be able to tell you, He's, there, he's going to, He, these, He is going to get you where you need to be. All is going to be okay in spite of severe 
turbulence. For the overriding truth of this passage is, God is faithful no matter what. Why not follow Him? Knowing where you're heading will make a difference and give confidence in everyday living. Knowing where you're heading will make a difference in everyday living. Here's another reason you want to follow God's plan for your life. Because others are going to have turbulence in their life. And they're going to be looking to you. What will they see? Panic? Confusion? Or trust in a mighty, sovereign Lord? Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time knowing that we have a God that loves us, cares for us. We know that you have a plan for each of our lives. Ultimately, that plan is to be with you, to walk with you. In some ways, our plans are all the same, but we know that you have a perfect plan, individual for each one of us, of the things that you want us to do to be a part of your kingdom work. We pray, Father, that even now, because of your word, that we've been able to see where we are, where we need to be, how to get there. And we know that Jesus is the center of all of that. May we make Jesus the center of everything that we do as a church and in our individual lives. Father, we pray for someone who may be here that does not know Christ as Lord and Savior or maybe someone who prayed today asking Christ to come in. We pray that you will put confidence in their heart and soul, not because of who they are, but because of what you've done. And you've said that all who call upon you will be saved. And we pray, Father, that even today someone may have called upon you. Thank you, Father. For how you continue to be at work. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.